Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Friday. It's the 26th of February. 2016. Let's go ahead and get that contact info out of the way. If you would like to contact me, I have a couple of different ways that you can do that. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would like to record your own audio or send in a written email, I'll read that out for you on the show. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I do have buttons for Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube if you'd like to check those out. Also, if you would like to support the show financially, there is a PayPal donation button as well as an Amazon search box. All right, enough of that stuff. Let's start out the show today and let's hear from a delusional narcissist. Hello, this is Chaz from the Road Gunner podcast. Thanks for all the shout-outs that you've been doing for my show lately. You can use this for either one of your shows. Don't forget to use that coupon code CHICKENHAMMER for 10% off your entire order when you go to the concealmentsolutions.com website and get a uh, new holster for your VP9. Congratulations on your purchase. I think you've probably made an excellent choice. I have not owned or shot the... HK VP9, but I know that uh, the most similar pistol that it gets compared to is the Walter PPQ, and I own one of those, and I'm very pleased with it. Having held the VP9, I think they feel pretty much very similar as far as the ergonomics and things like that, but uh, I do, again, think you made a great choice. But I, what I really wanted to do is thank you for the shout-outs that you've been giving me on my show, and especially for uh, taking up pretty much an entire episode and rehashing what I've already done, you glorious, glorious bastard, you. Anyway, uh, love your show. Thanks for the years and years of effort that you put out there. Um, I'm really sorry that you have stood me up a couple of times when I've come through Phoenix. I know that you really don't love me that much. You love Chan Kowalski much more, and that troubles me, but I can understand why, because his beard is much more manly than mine. So take care. Appreciate the show. Talk to you later. Keep your nose clean. Your fifth boob breezy. I'm gone. Hey, Chaz. Thanks for sending that in, you weirdo. I'm just busting your balls a little bit. Anyway, thanks for all the kind words. I appreciate it. You know, they say great great minds think alike, so I don't know what that means necessarily for Chaz and I as we're not the greatest minds on the planet, but uh, we do have a lot of similarities and have a lot of similar philosophies and... Uh, I would highly recommend you go over and check out his show. And, uh, you know, if you can get through his 500 hours of commercials for each show, I'm probably just a little bit jealous because I don't have, I have zero. But anyway, speaking of the VP9, he had mentioned that I had bought that. And I talked about that on the show a couple of times. The more I handle that gun, the more I dry fire it, the more I shoot it, the more I like it. I love the ergonomics of it. It is very similar to the to the Walther PPQ, I think. And if you had the PPQ M1, you would have the the paddle style release as opposed to the button on the on the uh, M2, I think, is what they call it. But anyway, I really like the gun. I like the ergonomics of it. I've thought about, you know, I may buy a second one. I don't know. Now, the P30, which is kind of based off of, I guess, which is a, um, not a striker fire, but it's a has a hammer on it. They came out with the P, I think the P30S. And I, I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me on that. But anyway, that's sort of like their compact version of it. And I, if they come out with a compact version of the VP9, again, depending on how the ergonomics of it are, I would probably go ahead and swoop one of those up as soon as I could. I really like the gun a lot. Now, I'm still going to keep my Glocks. I still like the the Glocks that I have. I do have a 21, and I, I go back and forth on whether I should keep that thing or sell it. I probably will end up selling it, but I will probably always keep 
I've got a Glock 26 and a Glock 17, and I will probably always keep those for me. You know, those, those are sort of the, the standards, which I guess others are sort of measured by, but and I still like them both. I, for me though, I like the VP nine, the ergonomics, how it fits. I like all that stuff better. And I, for the magazine release, I, I still tend to use my thumb and I just go ahead and hit that paddle with it. I'll shift the gun very slightly and I can boom, I can hit that panel and it's quick and it's fast. You can also, I've been practicing with dry fire using my uh, either trigger finger to come down and hit it on there. And you still have to kind of, you know, break the firing grip obviously to do that. But the more I use that paddle style, the more I like it. So, uh, what else was he yapping about? I I don't really remember. Uh, I, cause I listened to his message a while back and now I'm doing this and then I'll just put it in, in, in the editing phase. So this is kind of a little behind the, behind the curtain stuff. So anyway, you know, a funny story, he, you know, even though he was kind of busting my balls and said, oh, I'd kind of rehash some of the stuff that, that he had done and was doing a little copycat. And he doesn't really think that at all. But years ago, and I, I don't know if I told the story or not before, but years ago when I was part of the Gun Rights Radio Network, there was a certain podcaster who kind of thought that the only person could, who could come up with original ideas was them. And so if something came up in the news and you talked about it on your show, they would sometimes get a little butt hurt and they wouldn't come out and actually accuse you of sort of quote unquote, stealing their ideas or stealing their thoughts or, or stealing their thunder, so to speak. But it's funny how, how egos kind of can get out of check and, and things like that. You know, we're all in it together. The reason most of us do the podcast is, you know, we enjoy it. We enjoy the the camaraderie we get. We enjoy making friends with new people. And even if you only kind of meet them on the internet, that type of stuff. Uh, I have met my boy Chaz there in person once. That was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, if you don't want somebody to stand you up, you got to give them more than 18 seconds leeway to, to be able to meet you there, Chaz. So anyway, the, unfortunately... The couple of times that he was in town, I guess he doesn't get through the Phoenix area very often, but the couple of times that he was going to be in town and be in town long enough to have a little bit of a stopover, uh, it just didn't work out for our schedules. Um, but hopefully it will one of these days. Well, like I said, he's a good dude. I like him. Go ahead and give his show a listen. Okay. Um, enough of that. Oh, you know what? Before I jump off of that, I was talking about shooting it and this, that, and the other thing. I'll give you kind of a, a little mini range report. I went and shot it again and I was with my daughter and I, I took that to shoot at toward the end and see if she wanted to shoot it toward the end. She didn't want to, she got a little tired. And so we, we ended that. And then I kind of finished up shooting the VP nine. I've had zero issues with it. I talked about that one magazine to how it wouldn't drop free. But as far as the functionality of the gun of when I press the trigger, it goes bang and cycles and goes back into battery. Uh, nothing that the gun doesn't, as long as I'm not uh, uh, screwing it up, it works fine. So people do have some problems sometimes with the hold down the slide release. People have that problems if you, especially if you've got big, large hands, they'll have that problems even with the Glocks and some of the other guns that are out there. So that's a typical thing, but that is that you can't really fault the gun for that, that sort of operator error. And that's a training thing that you can get used to, but Every time, everything I put in the gun, the defensive ammo that I'm going to shoot uh, through it, I've run the the number of rounds that I need to run through it, and um, works. It, it it the the ammo that I use for it is I use the Golden Saber and I use the 124 grain, just standard stuff. Some people say, oh, you should use the Plus P. Uh, what is it 147? I don't know. I don't know that it's going to make that big of a difference, to be honest with you. Uh, I like the how, how the gun runs in there. I'd thought about maybe giving the uh, Spear Gold Dot, I think that's the name of it, maybe giving that a shot and see how that does. I know that kind of comes highly recommended. But again, a lot of times I think people make much ado about nothing on that type of on that type of thing. As long as you're you're using good defensive hollow point ammunition when i think back to 
the Masada Yub class that I took, you know, one of the things he talked about too was not only do you need to have good defensive ammo, but you need to buy it from a company or a manufacturer that keeps lots and, and, and does testing on it and has the data so that if you ever were involved in a shooting and there was a thing where they were saying, like you were saying, Oh, the dude was right on top of me and I had to shoot kind of close. And then that guy, let's say if they survived it or something. And then that guy at your trial is saying, Hey, I was across this, I was across the street. I wasn't doing anything. And this guy just, you know, up and shot me. If they can go back and say, okay, well, this is lot five where the, where you were the lot of the ammunition that you bought. And with our testing based on the person who got shot, the attacker there, there was powder residue on the clothes. And we can scientifically say that he had to be within at the, the, the greatest distance he could have been away from this person with the patterns is two feet or, you know, something like that. However, that's going to go. That's also, I think another reason why if you do have some good defensive ammo, you know, ammo is, it's not like milk. It's not going to go bad. If you have some defensive ammo, that's you know, five plus years old, you may want to go ahead, shoot that up and then buy some new and put that in your gun. Uh, so that way you have current lots and you stay, uh, you stay up on that. Uh, what else? Oh, but anyway, I think I was talking about, uh, my daughter and I had gone to the range and we took the, uh, the VP nine that was going to, I was going to let it, like I said, I was going to let her shoot it. She decided not to. But I took the Glock 17 with my Advantage Arms 22 conversion kit, and I also took my Ruger Mark II uh, 22 long rifle, which she has a lot of experience with. And she's gotten enough experience that I feel comfortable with her having multiple rounds in the magazine. Uh, prior to that, what we would do is we would just use one round at a time. This last couple of times, we've been loading more uh, because she has she has the experience she has for her the maturity she also has it's the uh habituation if that's the correct word of knowing how to how to handle the firearm where to point it where how to load it how to uh chamber around how to you know cycle the gun how and, and she's also got into the habit of whenever she puts it down she automatically clicks that safety up so uh, as kind of a reward or as kind of like a progress thing we were able to load 10 rounds in in the magazine or or uh, and, and then go from there so anywho we were uh, I had rigged up one of my target stands with some uh, some old mouse traps that we got at the dollar store, and also we got some animal crackers while we were there, and then we put those on the top part of the animal on the, the animal crackers on the spring loaded portion of the mouse traps, so that the they would hold the cookie in there, and we were probably 15, 20 feet back, and she was doing really well. She uh, she she probably about oh. I'd say 75% of the time she would hit and, and we're talking that distance and a little tiny thing, maybe that's a, oh, those crackers are maybe what an inch and a half big or something like that. And so it was fun to shoot those and explode every once in a while. We'd hit like the, one of the metal parts of the mouse trap and it would glow kind of an orangey color. And she thought that was cool or she'd see the sparks come off of it. But we had a really good time doing that. And at the end when she got tired, I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shoot mine. Do you want to shoot this one last thing? She was like, no. So I said, all right, well, dad's going to go ahead and shoot this and then we'll go. So I shot the VP nine and because I was used to shooting the 22, my form was better, even though I'm shooting a different gun kind of ergonomically and all that stuff, the, the basics of it was there. So I'm a real big believer in using that 22 as a trainer. And I'm from my experience, and this is just for me, it doesn't necessarily have to be a clone gun. I would love, 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 love for HK to come out with a VP 22 version of that. I don't know if they ever will. And probably, I guess maybe like the closest thing I would get to it. And I'd have to look at it a little bit closer 
would, uh, what is it that Walther makes? Is that the P22 or something like that? Is that what they make? But, but that would probably be similar enough to where uh, I would have the same feel. But after shooting the uh, the Ruger and, and really focusing on that trigger press and on that really good side alignment because we were shooting at those tiny little animal crackers, it translated when at the end I shot the VP9. And I had a really nice tight little group, maybe... Oh, again, it, it probably at that at that twenty foot range. Um, I I it was probably about in a two and a half inch, two and a half inch circle for fifteen rounds, and I did that twice on on two different uh, different sections of the target, and I was within two and a half on each time because I was taking my time, you know, getting that good trigger press, getting that good side alignment, all that stuff. And I know that's different from. Uh, you know, if you're in a defensive shooting, what you would actually be doing. But, you know, for me, I, I just, again, I'm so impressed with that gun. I like the accuracy of it. And if I do my part, it sure comes through with its part. I think that's about it. I guess, you know, and I guess maybe as, as a, as a closing thing to that, sometimes people can get a little freaked out about taking their, their kids out to go shooting with them. But again, if you start slow, and if you let them know that it's a serious thing and pound those, those four safety rules into their head, and you don't have to be super harsh or, or anything like that. And if they make a mistake, you don't scream and yell at me. Just say, oh, hey, remember, this is what we do and this is why. It'll take with them. They, you know, they, if they're out there with you and if they express an interest, they want to be out there with you. They want to have fun. They, they want to do stuff that, you know, let them, let them fill up that magazine. You know, let them do this, let them do that, let them do some dry fire stuff, you know, depending on what you're shooting, if your guns, you know, if it's okay to dry fire that particular firearm. But just take it, take it slow with them. And what you'll find is that you'll be able to build up a lot of those good habits in them. And those, those habits like her with always clicking on that safety, it's a, it's a really good habit for her. And it's ingrained in her now to where that's just, that's just how she does it. Anyway, uh, make, I'd, I'd like to hear if you guys have had some experiences with your kids. Uh, how'd it go? You know, what did you do? Do they have lots of fun? And especially my daughter, she's 10. So, you know, she's still at that real young age and sometimes she's very petite. And so the guns are a little bit big for her, but she can, she can reach the trigger. She can hold it properly. And, uh, you know, we go over all that stuff. So, all right, let's move on to maybe some political stuff. And uh, then we'll 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 kind of go back and forth in between some gun stuff as well. So, uh, where where do we start with political stuff? Let's talk about the upcoming presidential elections. And you know, every single election is I, I hear the same old thing. This one is for all the marbles. If boy, if we don't win this one, meaning get a Republican in there who will protect our gun rights, you know, who will supposedly protect our gun rights. Uh, then, then it's going to be, we're all going to end up in FEMA camps. They're going to come kicking in our doors and flash banging us and all this other stuff. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. If I had to say who I think the actual contenders are going to be in this, in this election cycle, I would say it's probably going to be Hillary Clinton uh, for the Democrats. I think that Sanders will stay in the race as long as possible because I think he has a certain philosophical message that he wants to get out there. So he doesn't really care. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think even if he thought, well, I'm not going to get the nomination, I can still get my message out there. I can still educate people on a philosophy that I believe in. I think that's maybe more his thought process. Obviously, I think he would like to be president, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it will be Hillary. Now, for the people that think, oh, Hillary's going to be, she's going to be in jail. She's not going to be able to do that. Okay, it's possible that they might indict her on something. Yeah, it's possible. Is it probable? No. She's too much of a, of a politician. She's too much of a uh, part of that political machine. She is part of a machine that grinds people up and spits them out. She is not going to be indicted on anything. And she's, she's certainly not going to spend, spend a, a second in prison now on. So I think it's going to be Hillary. 
So on the Republican side, it looks like you've got uh, Trump, Cruz, and Rubio. I think probably Rubio will eventually drop out. I think it will be down between Cruz and Trump, and I think it's probably going to end up being Cruz. So I think that on the Democrats, it's going to be Hillary, and on the Republicans, it's going to be Cruz. If it's Cruz and not Trump, I think there's probably a pretty good shot. If it's Trump, I think there are a lot of people that will come out and vote against him just because they hate him and they would they would throw a vote Hillary's way because they think as long as it's not Trump. There's also people that if it's Hillary, that I, I've talked to people that are, who I would consider pretty much diehard Democrats. And it's funny, they're just like, I, I can't bring myself to vote for her. And so I think they just wouldn't vote. Nobody, I think, is very likable at all that's running this go-around that, that is probably going to be, of, of let's say, maybe the final four or whatever. So it's, it's hard to say. The one thing that may, that may actually kind of matter is with the, uh, the nomination of the next, of the, of the, of the uh, Supreme Court justice who's going to replace Scalia, who recently passed away. And everybody is sort of clutching the pearls. Everybody is wringing their hands and acting like, well, it's the end of the world. I think since the Republicans are in control of both the House and Senate, that they're not going to allow a nomination from Obama uh, because he appointed two under his uh, presidential term. I just I think they're going to block it. I would have to say if Hillary is the thing and if it's Cruz, I would, I don't know. It's hard to say. This is all conjecture on my part and it's all coming right out of my butt with nothing really to back it up other than just kind of this is how I feel. I think that probably Cruz would beat Clinton and we'll probably have a Republican in the White House again, which means we'll probably get a conservative justice. At that point, and then at the other point, you look at somebody like uh, Ginsburg, who's older. She's probably either going to retire. Let's say if if Cruz gets in, uh, she's in her 80s, like 83 or 85 or something like that. So let's say that, you know, could she hold on for four more years? I don't know. And at this point, it would almost be like five before she would either pass away or just she would just retire. Uh, so I don't know. I would definitely prefer to have a conservative on the, on the Supreme court over a liberal in that. I think that the likelihood of them being pro second amendment and protecting my, uh, freedoms and liberties as far as gun rights goes, it would be more likely if a, a conservative would be more likely to do that. When you look at like our Fourth Amendment rights and some of our other things, eh, you know, those are being eroded away. Our, our, our First Amendment rights are being eroded away. It used to be, you know, dissent and and honest discussion and honest disagreement was and, and honest discourse was something that was valued in this country. But it, right now it's such all, all people want to do if you're on the opposite side is shout you down. Uh, they're not interested in hearing anything that you got to say. This brings me to another thing. With this upcoming election, if there is anything you want to buy gun-related, meaning ammunition, if you want to stockpile up some ammo, if you want to stockpile up some parts, let's say for your Glock or for your HK or for your Springfield or whatever you've got, buy them now. If you want to get springs and things like that, floor plates for your magazines, followers, get them now. If you want to buy extra magazines for your AR, for your AK, for your Glock, for your HK, for your Springfield, for your Ruger, get them now. Right now, you can go on online and you can, through one of the many different search engines, you can go on and you can plug in, you know, 22 long rifle and there's pages of it. Stuff is out there and you can get a, a, a 5,000 round case 
of like even CCI stuff for, oh, I don't know, probably around 400 and some odd dollars probably shipped out to you. So probably under $450 you could get that. And people may say, well, holy cow, that's, you know, that's a lot of money to spend on that. But you're talking 5,000 rounds. You're talking, you know, if you're not going out and shooting up stuff all the time and you, and you get out to the range, you know, maybe like me, I try and get out there every couple of months. I'm lucky if I do. But 5,000 rounds of like CCI standard velocity 40 grain lead nose for $450, you know, that's probably a five-year you know, maybe a five-year uh, supply of ammo for me. And even if you cut that in half, you know, if we just said, well, okay, let's even knock it down even further and said, well, it's only two years, that would be two years of time that I could say I can dip into this when I need to. And other times I can still get other stuff online. I can buy, a you know, a box of 500 here and there. So if, if you want to get stuff like that, if you want to stock up on some, uh, 5.56 ammo or on some 7.62 by 39, you know, go ahead and get that, get that ordered. If you needed to, I would say even, you know, whip it on a credit card. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm not one that thinks, oh, these credit cards are the great Satan or anything like that. But if you use common sense and you can, you can pay it off within a couple of months, at least you've got it. If you can get it now, get it now because you've got it in your hand. So I'm going to go on ammo seek here. Let me pull this up real quick and I'll punch in uh, CCI standard like target. And it looks like standard. Yeah. Okay. It looks like for around $450, you can get a 5,000 round case. And people say, well, that's kind of a lot, but again, that's 5,000 rounds. And that I, I tell you what, when, when that's going for, maybe $550, $650 if, if Clinton got in, that thing is going gonna to disappear. You're not going to be able to have it. At least now you can get it. You can get, oh, well, anyway, I, I don't want to read through a list of stuff because it's not going to be current by the time you guys hear this. But stuff's out there and it's available now. Right now, stuff is out there and it's available now to get AR stuff. So if you ever wanted to build a rifle, your AR rifle, get it now. If you want to get an AK, get your order in for it, get it now. Because as it gets closer to election, it used to be, I think, people would kind of wait and see. And I think what's happening now is people are have changed over to a thing of, we've been hit so many times with ammo shortages. We've been hit so many times where you can't get an AR where you, or you can get it, but it's, it's got awful expensive. We've been hit so many times where, you know, some, some wacky law in some state gets passed somewhere and people panic and they start buying up AR mags or AK mags and you just can't find them. So my advice would be to go ahead and get them now because what I think is going to happen as the, as this election gets closer as it gets closer to November, people are going to say, you know what? I can't take the chance. I got burned the last couple of times and I just can't take the chance. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to order what I want. And if you do that now, you know, again, it's better to have it in your hot little hand and say, you know, cry a little bit now rather than cry a lot later because you can't get what you want. Kind of getting back to the whole Supreme Court justice thing in the whole presidential election, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, it's all conjecture on my part. And at this part, at this point in time, it's probably a little bit too early even to think about that type of stuff. So, so now let's switch. So, uh, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, we'll see. We'll get there when we get there. So let's kind of switch from the federal or national politics and let's kind of go down to a little bit local stuff. And as you guys know, I live out in Arizona my state representative, uh, you know, who goes and represents me in Washington for my district is a guy named Matt Salmon. And he is actually very strong on Second Amendment issues. He is uh, probably more of a, a typical conservative, so I don't line up with him on a lot of other things. But on Second Amendment issues, gun issues, I do. He is not going to run on the next election. I don't know who we're going to get to replace him. But. He has also, this this go-around, he is part of that um, 
I think it's called the Hearing Protection Act, which basically is having to do with with the suppressors and silencers and getting that stuff maybe classified a little bit differently. I don't know if he if if what they're trying to do is get it all the way off of that uh, NFA Act list, or if it's going to be something where it's going to be classified. Maybe instead of a two hundred dollar tax stamp, it's a five dollar thing, and it's a deal where you don't have to. You maybe still have to have a trust or something like that. Or if it's a thing where it comes all the way off and it becomes something like magazines, or maybe it's something where they treat it more like a firearm where you have to do a background check to get one. But then other than that, that's, you know, it's nothing. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, if they're going to make it like an FFL type item or not, again, I have no idea on that stuff. And, uh, what some of that stuff, you know, it, they, they make deals and they change things around here a little bit and all that kind of stuff. So, Anyway, uh, like I said, he's not going to be running. So hopefully we'll get somebody in there that's at least as strong on the Second Amendment as he is. You can still be a conservative and not be very strong on guns or not really give two two craps about guns. So speaking of silencers, that is something that I would like to get. I've talked a little bit about it before. And I'm, I'm at kind of a dilemma or I'm at a crossroads, I guess because I'm thinking about starting the process and getting one. And I probably the one I would get would be for a 22 first, because that's something that I could use with my wife and my daughter more. And if that goes smooth, I may try and also get one for, for the, the nine millimeters that I have. I have threaded barrels for the Glock and I also have a threaded barrel for the VP nine. When I bought the VP nine, it came with a threaded barrel. Now I can't remember which threads are on that barrel. I'd, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to look that up, sort of see, I'm trying to bear with me here for just, uh, just a thing. I'll see if I can go into hkparts.net and see which one I've got. Um, but I've got, like I said, it came with a threaded barrel and with the, um, with the protector on there and everything. And I don't know, there's, there's two, two different thread twist rates. I I don't know the proper thing. If a machinist out there would know it. Um, but there's, there's one that kind of screws on like right-handed and it's like, I think it's like a one by 28 or something like that. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a one by 28, which is a U.S. thread. And then there is a 13 and a half by one, which is a left hand thread. Is that right? I think that's it. And I don't know which one I have. I'll have to double check and see. Uh, But I think I have that left handed one. So I don't know if I could sell that or if they make an adapter maybe that you could do it or that if I could take it to a machinist and have the threads recut, you probably couldn't and probably screw up the barrel. If push comes to shove, I might have to try and sell that barrel and see if I could get the U S one, which would be the half by 28, because that's when I, when I got the Glock barrel, that's what I got was the half by 28. So I'd like to have one suppressor that I could interchange between both. But the problem is of course, it's so dang expensive to do it, but it may be one of those things where I have to kind of sit down and look myself in the mirror and say, okay, dummy, take your own advice. And if you get, if you want to get it, get it now. Now with the, with the, here's the problem I have with the, that Ruger Mark II that I have is that it doesn't have, it's got that heavy, uh, target, that bull barrel, that target barrel on there, I guess. I don't know if they call that one on the, on the handgun, a bull barrel or not, but anyway, they, I know they make, you can get like the upper assembly for that and you can get one that's a threaded, like you can get it from, uh, what is it like pack light or something? I don't know. Anyway, there's tons of stuff out there. I, I don't have this stuff at the, on the tip of my brain here right now, but I could do that. Or what I might do is just keep that for kind of target stuff. And I might, like I was talking about before, look into getting maybe a used Walther uh, P22 or whatever the, whatever the thing that was. I don't know. And I think I'd, I briefly mentioned that I'd like to, I'd love to see HK come out with a 
22, like a VP, a VP 22, but I don't know. Do they make a 22 handgun that you could get here in the U S I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not deep into HK guns and, and know all the nomenclature for there and what all their different numbers mean. Uh, so I have no idea if they ever made anything like that. I think they have a rifle that sh- that's can shoot 22. I'm pretty sure they do that, but I don't know for sure if they have that. I'll probably try and research that here a little bit later. But like I said, I may try and get like a Walther. I think it's their P22 is what they call it. But I don't, I'm not a hundred percent, but it looks, it's, it looks similar enough to, to the HK that I think I, it would feel similar. Now, did I mention before when, when she and I went out that I, that, uh, I think I did that you don't, I don't think you necessarily need a drone gun with it that you, and or a clone gun for your 22. I mean, it would be neat. Like how you, you have, uh, if you've got the, uh, Smith and Wesson, M and P nine, there's the, they'd make that 22 version of it and everything is kind of, you know, a lot of things are very similar. So you get a similar feel to it. And I think that the P 22 would probably be a similar enough feel to where I could, it would do that. But again, once you are, are shooting that 22 and you're taking your time and you're focusing on the basics and focusing on it, it translates for you, I think. So I think trigger time is good. Trigger time is good trigger time. So anyway, like I was talking about, like with the silencers and stuff like that, I, I think I'll probably just have to, oh, nut up and, and kind of get that. My wife is kind of behind the idea of that because she doesn't like the loud sounds and stuff like that. So especially if we could go out with the 22s and I could say, well, here's uh, here's this and here's a silencer and she knows how much they cost and, and she, I think she'd be down with that. So I may I may go ahead and do that here. I may pull the trigger on that one. And I think, um, well, let's jump back in with some of the Arizona bills that are going on there. There are a few things out there right now. There's one, uh, I, I, well, I guess it doesn't really matter what the, what the actual numbers of the bills are. Well, I'll just kind of go over in general what some of them are. One of them says that is going to pro- prohibit checking with any federal or state databases on a private property transfer. And that has kind of passed out of the house and it's been sent to the Senate back on the 19th. So we'll sort of see how that goes. I don't know if that thing is dead yet or not. Uh, but basically what that would mean is if, if the federal government came down and said, you've, you've got to have background checks on everything. It's an end of private sales. Or if, for whatever reason, something came through here in the, on the state level, although if this passed, it would kind of, it would preempt that, but it would basically say that if you're buying a firearm, you, and you're, and you're or buying it privately or selling it privately, that you don't have to go through a background check. So it would, it would basically sidestep kind of that universal, what they call the universal background check, which is basically the only way it can work is you have to have registration type thing. There is also kind of similar to that. There's a a bill that was saying that a, that this, that the state of Arizona or that any political subdivision. So basically towns and things like that can't charge a tax or levy a fee or any type of liens or assessments on the transfer of a firearm between private parties who are not prohibited possessors. So that's also passed out. So what that basically means is again, is that let's say if you live in Phoenix, Arizona, that the city of Phoenix can't pass a thing saying that if you sell a gun privately, you have to pay a $200 tax or a $10 tax. It wouldn't matter what it is. And that you would have to report that on your state income tax, which basically would set up kind of a, a roundabout way of, of, of having a registration. It would also be a way where they could, another way where they could come at you if they wanted to prosecute you for stuff, because they would say that you were uh, engaging in tax fraud or income tax avoidance or, or tax avoidance, that type of thing. And they're trying to get a thing saying, no, they can't do that. A private, a private sale is a private sale. So it's, it would be treated just the same as if you had a camera 
that you were going to sell or a camera lens or something that you were going to sell to your neighbor across the street and you sell it to him for a hundred dollars. Well, you don't pay tax on that. He doesn't report, you don't report that as income and he doesn't, uh, or if he sold it to you, you know, he doesn't, uh, going to have to pay taxes on that stuff. So, and you as the seller, then, you know, don't have to say, well, I sold this for 50 or a hundred bucks and now I got to, I got to send in $5 to the government and declare that. So, uh, there's also a thing that, uh, if you're, that they're trying to do with, it's is like an interstate compact that would say that probably along bordering states or states that would have a, a deal that has to do more with selling things. So let's say like Arizona and Utah, or even Arizona, let's say in Wyoming, where we don't, the borders don't actually touch that if we entered into this state agreement, that it would allow us to. There, there wouldn't be additional restrictions other than kind of what's already current federal law. So again, it, it stops other states from maybe passing things or, or, or doing things that if you've got that agreement that you could sell those guns to somebody else in another state, you'd probably still have to go through an FFL and all that kind of jazz, but, but it may allow you to, if you were a member of that state, like if I could go up into Montana or Wyoming and I wanted to buy a handgun or a rifle there. I forget which one you can't buy from out of state, but that, that because our states have an agreement that I could show them my Arizona license and they can say, well, sure, we can sell this to you. So it may be something like that. They have one that they've been trying to get passed and it always kind of fails. I don't know if it will make it out or not, but this one is a thing that basically says that if you're a CCW holder, and that's what they call the permit out here is concealed, concealed carry weapon that if you go into a state or government controlled property, so a building or certain state lands, parks, things like that, that they cannot prevent you. If you have that CCW permit, they cannot prevent you from going there with your firearm unless they have a way to screen everybody that comes in and out through metal detectors. And even with that, they would still have to provide storage for you with your, for your firearm. They've been pushing for this for a while. I understand why they do it uh, because it's sort of a baby step in, in other, in getting other things uh, uh, passed, but it, it seems to always kind of get knocked down. I don't know why they've done that. Or, I mean, I don't know why it always gets knocked down. Part of it is I think that they they don't want people to be able to come into government buildings with with their own firearms because they have, I think, an unrealistic fear that somebody's going to come in there and shoot up the place and that type of stuff. But anyway, there is also uh, another bill, and this is one that I, I think is pretty good, that says that if you have a state agency or any of our local governments and they disregard firearms preemption statutes, so if if Phoenix passes a law that says you can't own a, uh, an AR-15 in the city limits or you can't have a uh, AR-15 magazine of more than 10-round capacity, that you would be able to seek redress and that you would, if this passes, that you would actually be able to seek uh, fines and civil suits against them for doing that because the, the state, there is no state law against that stuff. So again, it, it seeks to stop there being kind of a patchwork of laws in your own state. Although Arizona is pretty strong on that stuff. One thing I'd like to see them do, uh, which they're not uh, doing, it hasn't been brought up and I've, I've written letters about it and I'll, I'll keep harping on them. But the way that the law is written in Arizona, if you're a CCW person, when you go to pick your kid up at school, you have to, if you get out of the vehicle, if you park, you've got to leave your gun in there and the car locked up. If you're just on the property, the gun has to be off of your person and in a locked container and unloaded. And what I'd like to see them do for a baby step in that direction is say, if you're a CCW holder, as long as you keep it in the holster and as long as you don't exit the vehicle, the gun can stay on your person and be loaded. And again, it's, it's, when that stuff was passed back then, it was a baby step, but they haven't really taken that next that next step into lessening stuff. And if we look at a state like Utah, we see that they that um, and I'm not 100 percent familiar with all their laws, but there are no restrictions on going into a school 
uh, with a firearm. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that goes with colleges and, and, uh, probably K through 12 as well. So, and if it can work there, it can work here. So it will probably be a matter of time, maybe within the next five to 10 years before we see a lot of this stuff kind of, kind of get lifted. And I think, I think that may do it for me today. Uh, let's go ahead and give a few shout outs again. Go ahead and if you haven't given my buddy Chaz a, uh, a listen over at the Road Gunner Podcast, go ahead and check him out. Uh, there's also, remember, Travis goes on there sometimes, and uh, Travis does a really good job. Again, he is sort of of that same uh, pro-liberty and non-aggression mindset that I am, so I tend to agree with a lot of what Travis has to say. I may even try and steal him away, steal some of Chaz's thunder, and have Travis come on the show with me. I've had Chaz on the show uh, before. I'd like to have him uh, on again. But if we can work our schedules out, maybe we can uh, we can hook up again. So anyway, there's also uh, Ken and Brian over at Modern Rifleman Radio. There's the boys over at uh, Slamfire Radio, New Shooter Canada. There is uh, the crew of the Gun Nation, which is always a good one. There's the kind of nationally syndicated stuff, which is Michael Baines, um, downrange radio and then there's also gun talk with tom gresham there are a ton of others out there that i'm sure that i am uh, i'm missing oh you know what one kind of final thing and i i don't i don't really want to talk out of school i don't know all the details of it so i am not trying to be intentionally vague but there is the polite society podcast with uh with paul and he is a, a truck driver and also a, um, an instructor, a truck driving instructor. And I guess there was an incident involved where, and this is from Facebook. This was put out by his wife. So I, I, I feel it's I'm okay to talk about it. But supposedly the student truck driver was pulling out of the thing and got a little close, didn't hit the guy, wasn't an accident. And then the, the uh, other trucker guy came up and, and started screaming and yelling at him and I guess threatening him. And then they both, uh, the student and Paul told the guy to back off. He went and called the police and said that Paul had threatened him with a firearm or something like that. And so then he ended up getting arrested, had to spend some time in lockup and eventually got out. So I don't know what the results of that will be. I don't know Paul all that well, but from when I've listened to a show, he seems like a pretty reasoned, a uh, pretty reasoned guy. Again, I don't, I don't want to comment too much on it because I don't really know all the details, but if you could maybe just send him a message of encouragement and just saying, hang in there and, and uh, hope he gets through it, that type of thing. I don't know if Paul listens to this show. He probably, I'd, I'm friends with both him and his wife on Facebook, but uh, again, people are busy and, and uh, with the plethora of shows that are out there, people make choices and I don't, my feelings don't get hurt one way or another if somebody says they don't listen. Uh, but maybe uh, if if you go over to his Facebook page and just uh, send him a message of support uh, and then maybe wish him well and hope, hope that it turns out well for him. I hope that everything does turn out well for he and his family and hopefully he'll be able to uh, get past some of this stuff and maybe it'll all get resolved and he can he can let us know kind of uh, some of the lessons that he learned from it. And uh, it will be some hard, hard learned lessons, unfortunately for him. And I'm not throwing any blame or anything like that his way. So, uh, but sometimes some of the, the lessons that we learn in life come at a, a, at a pretty high cost. And some, sometimes they're of our own making and sometimes they're not. And, you know, we talk about a lot of times that whenever you have an encounter with somebody, that, and it's a heated exchange or something like that, that you probably should call the police and say, Hey, this, you know, I was at such and such a place. This is what happened. Dude started yelling at me and, uh, I told him to back off. He did, but I just wanted to call and report this and, you know, nothing bad necessarily happened, but I just wanted to give you my two cents. Then that way, if the other person calls and says, Oh, this guy threatened me with a gun or this guy, you know, waved a gun in my face. And maybe the, the way that he knew to make that claim, maybe he saw NRA forever sticker on your car, or maybe he saw something like, uh, 
I don't call 911. I call 1911. And so he just uses that to get back at you. He or she, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be any man or woman, doesn't matter. Or it could be a teenager, you know, it's, and that's why it's a uh, best. And again, this, this is separate from Paul's incidents, but what I'm talking about now, that's why it's best to try and mind your own business. If you see something that's going down, don't get that hero mentality. And I know when I talk about this stuff, a lot of times people will give me kind of a ration of crap and saying like, well, if you don't get involved, if nobody gets involved, that's why we have problems and this, that, and the other thing. But a lot of times you may not know what's going on. You may not know who the aggressor is. Now, obviously, if you're just sitting there and someone comes up to you and starts screaming and yelling at you in your car, that's kind of an incident that you're involved in. But it's different if you see something going on. And as long as you don't think that there is the imminent threat of, of death or grievous bodily harm, you should probably just try and be a good witness. You know, if, if, if you really think something's going down, get on that phone, start calling the police and say, this is my location. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm seeing. And if you can, and if, you know, and I know people a lot of times will, Oh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? denigrate people who are recording stuff, but at least it makes a record. It gives an actual record. Uh, and, and, and especially you as a third party, that may be something that really helps that person out. If, if something ever went South or if, if, uh, the, a person who was being aggressed against the, 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 uh, aggressor tries to say that he was the victim or she was the victim. And if you've got it on a cell phone video or something like that, you can say, Hey, this is what I saw. And here's the video of it. So all right, with that, hey, I tell you what, I would love to hear from you guys in anything you want to talk about, any uh, any stuff you want. Uh, if you've got your take on certain political stuff, you don't have to agree with me. You can be a hundred and uh, 180 per, uh, degrees in the other direction. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you guys think. And uh, like I said, I think we'll wrap it up and I will talk to you guys next time.